Howdy guys, I know a lot of you, just like me, are struggling with how the quarantine has been affecting your training. Schools, clubs, and tournaments all over the country have been shut down and with them, any opportunity to make strong gains in the postseason. Well, look no further as the M2 Training Center Online Learning Membership solves all of your problems. With live online practices led every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday by world champion David Taylor, you can be sure that the M2 Online Learning Membership is the best place to make growths during these trying times. Register now at m2trainingcenter.com. That's www.m2trainingcenter.com. And register today to make the most of your quarantine training. What's up, Home Ad Advantage Biffles? This is Jude Swisher here to give you some info on our upcoming guest on the 35th interview of Home Ad Advantage Wrestling Podcast. Today... Mason Beckman is back for his third appearance on the show with a special guest, Pat Papalizio. Pat is a three-time NCAA qualifier and is currently the head coach of the NC State Wolfpack. Thanks so much for Pat coming on, and enjoy the show. All right, beautiful. All right, joining me today is a man who has become one of the central figures in college wrestling, both through his program at North Carolina State and the National Wrestling Coaches Association. Oklahoma State alum, North Carolina State head coach, Pat Polizio, also known as The Skip. So thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. So first and foremost, obviously things are crazy right now, right? I mean, everything with COVID-19, the virus, quarantine, all that fun stuff. So how are you guys, you know, in Raleigh, you and your coaching staff, how are you guys approaching it? You know, what has this past, what, six weeks been like for you? Yeah, Weird times for sure. I think everybody's going through it and uh, not the norm for us. You know, obviously right now we'll probably be on the road recruiting, um, having visits here on campus and obviously freestyle. So all that came to a halt. Uh, we finally got our dead period, but not kind of the way we all want it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we're this is a good time to reflect, uh, evolve, work on some skill set that, you know, as an in individual and as coaching staff. Uh, it really gives us a lot of focus right now on what, you know, when things do get back to normal, what it is we want to get better at, what we want to do. And uh, that's what we're working on here. We're challenging our guys as much as we can to do the same uh, technically, mentally, strength-wise if they can. There's so many things that go into uh, just being better as a person and then obviously wrestling as well. Yeah, so, you know, you, you mentioned obviously being better as a person, and, you know, I know that's one of the big things that you guys push down there is the holistic approach, right? You want to be a good student, good athlete, and just a good human being. And, you know, Hayden Hydley is your guys, is the face of your guys' program, right? Um, both on and off the mat. Anybody that's ever met him, one of the most personable, just down-to-earth people you could meet. And he recently was named ACC Scholar Athlete of the Year, you know, across all sports. So talk a little bit about that um, and just what Hayden provides for you guys. Yeah, that's uh, true leadership right there. Uh, you know, you got a guy that's extremely motivated to be the best in all aspects in life. Uh, it's springboarded our mentality here. It was a perfect time for him to come in. You know, we've been working hard behind the scenes to brand our program, and then you get that the perfect fit, and it just escalates success fast. And uh, it's been contagious. You know, he's been out in the front. Obviously, his result, results speak for themselves, but he's uh, really kind of challenged the rest of the team uh, academically. And if you look, you know, we've had six guys that were uh, all ACC scholar athletes, with Hayden being the number one. Um, 
I think six of them close some in the range from like a three, two to a four Oh. So mm-hmm. we've, we've uh, really raised that bar academically and, you know, want to continue to put the results up on the mat as well and, and be great at both of them. And that's what been great having him and his brother here. You know, they've really challenged these guys and we are in unique times right now and their leadership still is valuable as well. Uh, our coaches are working hard doing all unique things we can on video, but those guys have been a big help to it all. Yeah, and you mentioned Trent, Hayden's younger, bigger brother, right? Um, I I think one of the things that kind of gets, you know, Trent's got a unique sense of humor, right? And he, I don't say this in a bad way, but, you know, he's a big, big, athletic, powerful kid. He's got some meathead tendencies to him with the way he wrestles sometimes, in a good way. Um, I, I don't think people understand how just... Maybe it's because he's a bigger guy. I don't know. I know Nate Brown, one of my college teammates, kind of said he felt like this too. Um, but I don't think people understand how good of a student, how good of a leader, and how intelligent and well-rounded of a person Trent is. Yeah. No, he uh, to be you know at times unique and different, and uh, I think that's what makes for a good team. You know, we're pretty diverse when it comes to personalities and uh, the attitudes on cue with with our whole roster. But yeah, Trent. He brings excitement, you know, and you need that when you when you get in these tough situations and we're getting ready to go to battle. Um, these guys just they have the confidence that rises the rest of the group up. And we've been there a few times this past year. You know, we're going into a tough environment or a tough dual meet. And, you know, you're looking on paper. We're probably not favored or it's a big toss up. And these guys are just cool, calm and collective. And, and it's a flip of a switch to go out and compete at a very high level and, and you know, that's something that's been a big help for our program this past year. So, you know, one other thing that recently came out that that I thought was interesting was the, you know, and you're involved in the NWCA too. The NWCA came out and they named, you know, first, second, third, and I think honorable mention All-Americans. You know, how involved were you in that? And, you know, kind of what was your perspective and your viewpoint on, obviously we didn't get NCAAs this year, incredibly unique situation, something that hasn't been seen since World War II. So, um, you know, kind of what was that process like and what were your thoughts on that? So I, I think the important thing is most people don't realize that the NCAA only honors national champs. So mm-hmm. when it's all said and done, the NWCA comes in and they've historically given it through one through eight because the tournament was wrestled out and those guys finished first, second, third, fourth, you know, all the way down to eighth place. Yep. That real easy and real simple to do. So on a year where you actually didn't have the tournament, um, the second best thing to do was to go off the body of work that these guys had because the season is important. And these guys wrestled 17 of the 16 dates allowed by the NCAA. So why would you not honor their body of work. Um, and I think the important thing is, is when they did the seeds, so basically went off the seeds, right? Right. Eight was first team, uh, nine through 12 was second team. And then what a 13 through 16 was honorable mention. Okay. Uh, the statistics were 95% of the top 16 seeds past four years were all Americans. So kind of went off the numbers and just kind of rewarded guys off that. I think, Important to know, coaches ranking came into play on the seeds, so every coach actually had some kind of say in that. When you're sitting there doing a coaches ranking panel and you're submitting that weight class, coaches actually did have an influence on the seeds at the NCAA tournament. Um, it's not the, you know, it's, it's broken into I don't know how many different categories, but 
that's part of it is the coaches ranking, um, your quality of wins and all that. So that's kind of how that played out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on it, but at the same time, I think when it goes down, you got to reward these guys. They put it on the line all year and, and their wins mattered. Um, you know, you go back and you look at some of these big matches that actually got wrestled out. Why, why can't we, you're not naming the national champ. We all know that you want to wrestle that tournament and see who the best guy in the country is, but we're just talking we're honoring guys for their success, uh, all Americans. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same certificate that they've been given over the last, you know, history of the NCAA tournament with the NWCA. So I think it was it was an important thing to do. It kind of put the season to rest and uh, allows us to move forward, get ready for you know what the future holds for us. Yeah, and for people that might not know, you know, to your point about the NCAA not technically naming all Americans. I think a lot of people don't realize that – and truth be told, I didn't until um, I was in college, so I didn't realize this either. But in NCAAs, the eight guys that stand on the podium, you get the little trophy things, right, the miniature version of the team trophy. And then you guys at the NWCA send out the plaques to commemorate all American teams. Yeah, and I think – I, you know, I don't know. If you look at the trophy, I think it just says what place you got. Um, I don't even know if it says all American. It might it, – it only says the place, and the only reason I know that is because I looked after Pat Tossi explained this. Yeah, so if you look at that trophy, it just says whatever place you took at the tournament, and then the All-American comes later in the mail. So um, I think that's an important thing to know. And, I, you know, I, I know our sports played out on – that's why I love wrestling is because you can take away all the talk and say who's better, this guy or that guy. You go out, you wrestle, you execute, you get your results. Well, you look at all the other sports in the country, they're voting on who's an All-American, you know, mm-hmm. football, basketball, baseball. You have people voting on you. The way they did the All-American this year, that wasn't a vote. That was a body of work that played out on a system on seeds. You know, it wasn't a committee saying, let's see this guy one, let's see this guy two, let's see this guy three. It was literally a system of formula that a group of people came up with. And you can't be mad at the numbers. It, it played out the way it was. and Hopefully, when it's all said and done, everybody feels like they've, uh, you know, they've been recognized for their their success during the season. For sure. So let's take it. You know, we touched on where your guys' program is at now with guys like the Hadley brothers. You know, you've got all ten starters coming back. Um, you know, but almost a decade ago, right? You know, March of 2012. You and Nick Wisdowski and Frank Beasley, you guys were all quiz as an athlete. You and Frank as coaches, you guys were all at Binghamton, you know, and that's kind of where this whole NC State journey starts. So you go to NCAAs that year. Gwiz and Donnie Vincent, obviously, who's now coaching with you, you know, Gwiz and Donnie make the podium. Incredible tournament for you guys. And, you know, your program had only been reinstated at Binghamton five or six years prior to that, I think. Um, so, you know, just walk me, you know, walk us through the emotion and what the process of that NCAA tournament, you know, you've got two All-Americans, a true freshman All-American in heavyweight through the next few weeks of the interview and the transition to NC State and kind of hitting the ground running. Yeah, it was a really weird time, uh, exciting time. Obviously, that tournament was wild. I don't think I've yet been at a tournament where you haven't hit every emotion you possibly can. <laughs> so that was another one where, you know, Donnie was, I think we just talked about it the other day, but he was either a three or four seed and loses first round. 
to a kid that he beat all year. And second match, he's wrestling a kid, and he was bent on the water pinned. Um, he was flat stuck. The ref was literally about to smack the mat. He gets off his back and ends up pinning the kid and wins nine matches, eight or nine matches in a row to finish third, and all of them were bonus points. So if that would have happened and Donnie doesn't win that match, who knows where we would have played out that tournament and, you know, where life brings you. But it was one of those, you know, I think the bigger thing is we – he places, Nick places, and we had everybody in that team returning the following year, which mm-hmm. we're going to have a really good team going into that next year, and we did. We finished 14th in the country, um, and, you know, you're a couple points out from – you know how close it is from – Oh, like, yeah. You know, it's like a point and a half, but we were really – I don't know. Before, finishing 14th at Binghamton at the time was, was huge, um, and obviously – opened the door for the opportunity down here at NC State, got a call, um, came down here, checked it out. And, I mean, this is a, obviously a, a place where you, once you get eyes on the program and you got the vision of, you know, what they were looking to do and the history that used to be here that just needed a little bit of spark, um, it was a no-brainer. And really it was just a, a, a perfect storm coming together to uh, – bring the right people down here. Uh, and Gwiz was a huge factor in that. And that was one, it was just a really weird, awkward time to re-recruit a kid. Cause he, you know, he goes from being a really good high school recruit to being an all American at a weight that is hard to do it at as a freshman mm-hmm. and knew he was going to have a ton of success. And it was the kid probably hadn't lived more than an hour and a half away from home. Being too much. <laughs> um, he was a homebody. So, Convincing them and recruiting them to come down here was was really a, a challenge, and uh, every program in the country was on them after that, you know, and I mean everybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody that was having success knew that he was a heavyweight that could have an impact on any program. So with Gwiz's story, I mean, obviously Bill Cook is a name that, like, to you guys, to your program, uh, to anybody that's met Bill, um, awesome guy, one of the hardest working people ever, and you mentioned that Nick had never lived very far from home, and you know, Bill and him obviously were tight from growing up together. Um, Bill was a community college at the time. Talk about, you know, not just Bill's role in coming to Raleigh with Nick, but what he became for your guys' program. Because he's one of the, the and, a, and a story with a few unsung heroes, Bill's definitely on the list. Yeah, so Nick finally comes down here, checks it out, and he's like, uh, you know, he, again, doesn't know anybody other than me. Um and it was a hard sell because, again, he was, likes being close to home. But he was like, I'm in as long as Bill can be here and uh, and wrestle to or slash be our manager. Because <laughs> on the mat uh, at the time wasn't really all that great. Uh, so Bill comes down here. We get him in school. He had really good grades at the community college he was at. Uh, it was a perfect time because I don't think he was really enjoying where he was at and living. But those two knuckleheads come down here together, and it was, uh, you know, they are big jokesters to begin with. So it started right away with them screwing around and joking. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure you got some good stories out of Bill. But, yeah, Bill comes here, ends up being our manager, traveling everywhere. Um, and basically, as time went on, we wiped out the majority of the team just by a process of elimination with uh, some, some things we were trying to clean up. And Bill was literally our manager, and about halfway through the semester, uh, we were starting, I want to say, nine walk-ons out of ten weights. So 
Bill added to the, the, the next way. He's like, I actually think I can beat the guy who's starting at my weight class. And I was like, yeah, I don't doubt it because uh, it's not too hard to beat anybody in our lineup right now. And a couple weeks in, uh, Bill gets in shape. We threw him out there, put a singlet on there, slapped him on the butt, and threw him on there in the mat. And uh, he's a starter. That's awesome. Yeah. But, no, it was uh, – it was one of those. He was uh, a huge factor in um, as as we started to get better. You know, his role changed. Um, he was a guy in the room. He would come in. He would actually be a great workout partner. Uh, again, his skill set wasn't probably to the level to be a D1 wrestler here at NC State, but his work ethic and attitude. And he didn't miss a workout. He would actually win a lot of the runs or be right there in the top. Um, and then he became one of those key roles. You know, when you're when you're at a tournament and you're in the back and you need somebody to keep things loose and keep you kind of relaxed, his role is critical. Um, and still to this day, it's one of those, you know, if you notice a lot of times when Nick's wrestling and Bill's around, he'll be in the back. And, and that's kind of the, the role that he played as time went on. And, and I could tell we, we did, we hit some tournaments and we didn't bring them. Um, and it, the guys were tight. We weren't having the, the success we needed. And, you know, it was one of the factors. We were the guy, we got to get Bill in the back here and just think loose. Yeah, and I mean, in Bill's story, and that's a story for another day, but a kid that at the time had no intention of leaving Boston Spa, New York, and now, you know, got a degree at NC State, a master's at UNC, and then at Georgetown, and is working in Hong Kong now. So it's, you talk about, a, you know, the butterfly effect, right? Um, but another unsung hero, I think, in that story, at the same time, too, was, was Debbie Yao. And, you know, Dr. Yao... She's somebody that, you know, I wrestled for Pat Santoro, right, who was hired by her at Maryland to do the same thing that you guys did at NC State, you know, literally identical situations. She's got a thing for Pats. Um, But, you know, I know know Coach Santoro, he always spoke incredibly highly of her, still to this day has a great relationship with her. Um, Just talk about – and one of the things that he always mentioned was her undying desire – to win, to succeed in every way, and that she was just unwilling to accept not being elite. Um, so talk about you know your relationship with her and all that she has done, did, and continues to do for NC State. You know I think um, I think she just retired, right? Yeah, um, a little over a year ago. Okay. Yeah. But yeah you know, just talk about Dr. Yao and everything that she is and has done had a great career as ad and obviously has had a lot of success to get where she's at obviously speaks volumes for you know the path that she's been able to navigate through college athletics and to be a fan in the you know of our sport wrestling um that's probably the thing that intrigued me the most is she actually was a huge fan of olympic sports you know obviously football and basketball are out there on the front lines right now and it's important that you got a good foundation with them but to that having an ad that actually really wanted to build up olympic sports um that was critical at the time here um and that was a huge part of the the success and recipe giving you the resources you needed but yeah she expected you to win um and that's what i i liked you know i think a lot of people when you're around that, don't really enjoy it because it can be a little bit of uh, added stress and, and pressure to, to make sure you perform. Um, but I personally embrace that challenge. Um, 
and it was expected. I know there were several times. I want to say the first year we were given uh, the okay to clean up the program and start building. And then year two, I know we finished last in the ACC. And literally within 20 minutes, I got an email from her wanting a huge report and layout of how I'm going to change the results next year into uh, bigger and better things. And my response to her was, can you just give me about two more weeks for the NCAA tournament to play out? And that's when Nick um, and Kevin, I think that was the year Kevin Jack placed too. So we were, uh, we were two weeks away from getting her, you know, I guess, uh, blessing to, to know that we were doing all the right things. Um, but yeah, there were times we were getting ready to wrestle Oklahoma state. I, all those teams at the time, and anytime we were leaving, she was like, "Hey, wishing you the best of luck, but I expect you to win." Yeah, <laughs> you'd be like, all right. <laughs> no "That's pressure. awesome." Um, so that was her mentality, and and I personally like being around people that are are pushing the envelope to to win, and, and you know, in return, we do that to our guys. So it, it, I understand, you know, where it's coming from and why it's expected, and uh, uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. So, you know, you mentioned, obviously, there was a massive amount of roster turnover, starting nine walk-ons at one point that first year and everything. Um, there was only one guy that was from the old roster that went on to be an All-American for you guys, um, and that's Tommy Gant. Yep. You know, and, Tom, and Tommy is somebody, obviously, he's become a fixture on the senior-level scene now. But Tommy, um, you know, I know I got a lot of stories about him from from Bill and from Frank. It's just like the most hyper-competitive human being ever. Um, talk about Tommy, you know, the leadership and how, you know, how much he progressed because, you know, when you guys got there, it's not like Tommy was lighting the world on fire and was around a 12 guy that had almost broken through. Tommy, Tommy was a guy that wasn't on scholarship when I got here. Um, he had a losing record, didn't start his true freshman year. Uh, he had a losing record or a 500 record year two, but there was just this mentality and work ethic. And I could tell every time he lost, it was devastating. Like it never changed um and when i witnessed that i was like all right i know this kid could be great um because his his training in the room was as good as as anybody i've ever been around he was one of those guys that was going to outwork anybody didn't matter who came into our room he was like i'm going to stay to be the last guy there and he's one of those guys that literally would wrestle until somebody broke and quit wrestling on him um, and I was like, okay, we, we have something we can build on here. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, more than anything, he from day one was willing and able to buy into everything we were asking to do. Um, and I think that was the critical piece for him is he already had that underneath him. And then now you combine that with, I think the mentality that we brought here to, to kind of just surround him with the, the right group of people as well with training um it just springboarded him to the top and the technique that he was missing um at the time he developed into being one of the top guys in the country and you know his senior year he went undefeated he was number two seed at the uh ncaa tournament and he was just he was a great leader for us that year and it was we went into some really tough environments but we had that mentality it was just it was like a chip on your shoulder you know and he mm -hmm. He started it, and it was contagious with every single other guy into our program. It was just these were guys that maybe weren't, you know, the blue-chip five-star recruits minus maybe one, one guy in our lineup at the time. 
and they just felt like they had something they had to prove and they weren't going to get denied and they were going to get, you know, they were going to get the notoriety that they wanted by winning and winning with this attitude. And it was fun to watch. I mean, it was awesome. Some of the most motivating guys I've ever been around, you know, they pick you up. It was one of those when you're in a good culture and a good team, those guys will pick you up. Um, Cause as a coach, you know, not every day you're going to come into that room and you're going to be a, on point every day or, you know, maybe you had something and these guys would, would give you positive energy. And it was kind mm-hmm. of where we're at right now with this team, um, this last year's team and moving forward next year's team, that, that energy, that positive attitude, you can just walk in and it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up because you can feel just the intensity and the, the drive from these guys. So, you know, you mentioned how that team, so that team, in 2015-16, you guys went like, what was it, like 20-1 and one or something? I think we were 23-1. and one. Okay. And you – Yeah, and you won in Iowa City and in Stillwater. You know, you had wins at in Carver-Hawkeye and in Gallagher-Iba. Um, at what point, you know, in the year prior to that, Gwiz had won his second title. Um, Kevin Jack was a true freshman All-American. Everything. So it was happening, right? You'd finished 19th the year before as a team at NCAAs two, two weeks after getting the email from Debbie Yao and everything. But at what point was it leading up to or during the 2015-2016 season that you guys kind of looked around and went like, hey, we like we really got something here? Uh, you just saw the progress being made. Um, we had a really motivated group of guys that were – training at an elite level um and when i mean elite level i mean they weren't they were just really disciplined you didn't have to call a kid up and ask him why why you're being late why why is this not done uh where are you at how can you miss this and that was it was like basically managing these guys as opposed to motivating these guys they were all self-motivated so it was more of you got to remember machiavelli was on our, in that team too just no one mm-hmm. had knew about him yet. So you got a guy like him coming up, coming in through the pipeline that's in our room training, hasn't really developed yet. And then you got all these other guys. Pete Renda's here with the talent level that's up high. Kevin was in our room. I mean, they were just – it was the right recipe of guys mixed in with the right talent. Um, and it was just – I don't know. I There were certain dual meets when we went in there and we – just flat out ran through a team um and i was like i was not expecting it to happen because this team <laughs> and you know the guys that they have or you know and the coaching that they had and these guys just would show up and not care like literally would just be like i don't care who's in front of me i don't care what school they're from i'm going out and i'm going to wrestle hard and do what i need to do to put points on the board and i was just sometimes sit back and go like, i can't believe that just happened like we literally just a really good team like that and these guys all you know and a lot of times we there were some times you know we got the right calls and some upsets happened and we did we had some close battles that um matches we weren't expected to win we just won every what was unique about that team is every single week somebody new stepped up and would have an upset win of like 20th guy in the country knocks off the number four guy in the country and that was like that's the one match we needed right there to beat that team so yeah, when we were when we were on, they were they were a dangerous team. So you know, moving forward from there, obviously that's Gwiz's senior year. He graduates. Tommy graduates. You know, the guys that were fixtures, um, and Gwiz was obviously the face at that point, right? A guy that made three finals and won two titles. 
you know, moving on, moving forward, one of the things that you always hear coaches talk about when you build a program is you need that recruit. You need those guys, that class that breaks the dam. You know, so moving forward, obviously, that's all, you know, you're always trying to recruit elite guys. But when you're building, it takes one guy, one class to break the dam. Post quiz, what, you know, what class or what guy do you point to from a recruiting standpoint that changed things? Um, you know, obviously Hayden, I think, was a critical part of that. Um, getting a guy like that, the timing was right. You know, our success was right on point when we were recruiting him. Um, and I think the mentality that he saw when he came down here mirrored a lot what he was looking for. Um, you know, I think we were a little far for him when it came down to that decision process. We were just a little bit further away than probably he wanted to be, but I think he knew that this was going to be the best place for him to, uh, get what he needed academically and athletically, but also be surrounded by people that are going to push him. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, again, I, I think our culture is set in a way now where if we continue to get the right type of kid, we're going to develop them and, and put a very good product on the mat. Um, yeah, it would be great to go out and get the elite level guy all the time. And one of those that just shows up and can win right away. Um, but they're far and few between yet um, yeah. or that. And so our coaches are out, you know, Donnie, Adam, they're out working extremely hard looking for that right fit constantly. Um, and we, I think this past year's recruiting class is as good as any that we've ever brought to NC State um, with just the mentality and the motivation and that same type of chip on your shoulder, like I still have a lot to prove. Um, and, and that's what – I love working with those kind of kids because it's, it's worked here. It's going to continue to work the way that we run our program. You know, so – with Hayden in the lineup, you know, you mentioned Machiavello, who was a one-time state champ in North Carolina. Um, with those guys as two of the big pieces of it, everything at the time kind of came together for you guys in Cleveland in 2018, right? Um, Russell had a great tournament. You have two in the finals with Hayden finishing second, you know, undefeated on the year to that point as a freshman, and Mock winning a national title. You know, talk about what – bringing home a team trophy, you know, yeah. what that did for you guys and, you know, mock winning a national title. There's so many storylines to that weekend, you know, Tariq had a coming out party, the whole thing. Right. So just talk about that weekend, the emotions of it and what, again, winning a team trophy did for NC state. Yeah. It was probably the first uh, time ever leaving the NCAA tournament where you felt some kind of satisfaction. Um, personally, you know, in all the years of going there, it's been one of those where it's just like, you never leave there where you're like, wow, this is a good feeling. Um, but, no, to bring home a team trophy, uh, I think it just really gave confidence in, in everything that we were doing here. Um, and I don't mean that just as coaches. I'm talking the athletes and the support from our fans. Uh, it really got contagious. And they, the people who have been backing it financially, you know, it was like give us some time to show that we're going to get this done. And, and it, now it's it's easy to have those talks with people and, uh, you know, for recruiting-wise too. You know, you produced – national champs, all Americans, and we can bring home a team trophy. The crazy scary thing is, is I think we left a lot of points on the table there that year too. Um, I do think there were two guys that were really close to breaking, actually three guys that were really close to breaking through um, and injuries and every team deals with them, but injuries added to all that. But, you know, I, I, I think guys like Sean Foss, Pete Renda and Boykin 
were on a on a path to place too, um, and obviously they didn't. Uh, but there were some critical matches that if they just got that riding point, you know, the riding time or escape at the right time, those mm-hmm. guys as well. And who knows wh- where the score goes from there? But that's how that tournament works. And uh, yeah, you you the unexpected always happens at those tournaments. Um, Tariq Wilson finishes third, and the guy who you think is going to place really high obviously gets knocked off and doesn't score any points for you. So it was uh, it was a fun year to be a part of that, and I just it was exciting and rewarding for those guys that really committed and put everything. You know, when they buy in, you know, a guy like Pete Linda and Sean Foss who really bought into everything we were doing, and they they left here with the team trophy and making that history. I, thought, I think those are the things that are most rewarding to me. You know, another guy that bought in, like you mentioned, um, was Mock, right? Machiavello. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, that dude's journey, you know, from day one to winning a national title and where he's at now on the senior level. So Mock, uh, watched him wrestle in high school and I was like, this kid's going to be really good. He's, you know, really big, strong, athletic kid, but does not know how to wrestle at all. (laughs) So it was one where we were, uh, we saw a lot of talent and ability, but his uh, when you talk to him and, and the recruiting calls, you know, a lot of times you're you're stretching to keep a kid on the phone. And anytime we called or I called Mock, I would end up on the phone with him for 30, 40 minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> we're both going to run through a wall here together. Um, and then when he got here, his work ethic was as good as anybody. And that's, again, it matched with, with the Tommy Dance and anybody else that I've ever been around was going to win at elite level. But what made him special, and this is why he won title, is he knew he was going to get it done and he was not going to listen to anybody that would even remotely bring him down. And there were times, you know, every now and then he'd be like phrases I would catch myself saying to him and he would make sure he's like, no, I'm going to win a national title. And I'm like, okay, well, let's uh, let's get better than 500 next year. And um, <laughs> how about we start in our team first. He's like, I'm going to win a national title. I don't care if I didn't start last year. And I'm like, all right, you're crazy. But um, yeah, Mock's story. You know, he, he didn't start here his freshman year. He got beat off in a wrestle off. Um, actually, it might have been year two. He started one year, and then it was I forget how it played out. But I know one year he got beat off our team. Um, Lost in a wrestle-off to, to Nikki Hall, red-shirted, then finished round of 12. And that match uh, was against, uh, I think it was Foster, right? The 84-pounder that won it up yep. in 97. So, yeah, round of 12, he lost that match. And honestly, I think that changed the game for him. He was like, I am not ever losing in this tournament ever again. He red-shirted. He was on a war path. And it was a great training situation for him, having Pete Renda here, Tommy Gant, Timmy McCall was in our room. Obviously, Wiz was a little big for him at the time, but those workout partners really pushed him. And technically, he studied and made huge gains. And next year, he goes out. You know, he lost twice to the same kid. Um, and, when it, you know, coming down in the NCAA finals, he's like, I'm not losing ever again to this guy. And he beats him in the NCAA finals. And it was his mind was so determined and, and mentally tough. That's why he won a national title. It was obviously his work ethic and everything that fell behind it, but he worked so hard on his mind. And I think that's the biggest thing right now that we try to show guys is that mind is so powerful and the guys that are willing to do it. Um, 
really make those gains. A lot of guys are focused in on the technique, conditioning, but that's one thing Mock did as good as anybody, and he's doing it right now. You know, got a lot of guys are counting him out coming this coming year, and uh, the good thing with him is he knows what he needs to do, and his his belief is so strong that it's going to be fun to watch him. Mm-hmm. You know, moving forward from the team trophy and everything, so the next step obviously is climbing that ladder, right? It's hard to get better than fourth, but that that's the goal, you know. And I know you guys. You're trying to win a national title as a team. Um, what have you know the, these last couple of years been like, and you know what does your vision look like for how you take that next step, how you take that final step? Yeah, we we know we got to get better as coaches. Um, I, I, we've worked extremely hard to create an awesome atmosphere here to wrestle. Um, so when kids are looking around the country, and obviously their school's doing a great job when they're having a dual meet, and you're packing, you know how many people that arena can hold that's one thing we've worked hard here to do is build our fan base um but we have a we got a really good support system um across the board from strength and conditioning nutrition academics you know our our rtc's in play right now there's just so many variables that go into it behind the scenes when it comes to resources and then the biggest thing is having a formula for it you know you can have all these things but if you can't put it together and actually have a plan for a guy you're, you're wasting a lot of time. So we try to, as coaches and as somebody that's in charge, try to continue to get better because if mm-hmm. we're not better, our guys aren't going to get better. And we know that next jump is probably the hardest jump, you know, as you get yeah. elite. And that, that's as an athlete, as a coach, you know, if you're the third guy and number three guy in the country to make that jump to the number one guy in the country, that's as hard as being, you know, the 20, 20th best kid trying to be the 15th. That, that jump's not as hard. Mm-hmm. It's the elite level, the competition, the coaching, just the competitive nature that we're in is elite. Um, so we have to embrace that challenge, and we gotta we gotta get smarter, sharper, and uh, we're doing a good job of it. We, we try to do things unique. It's not just all technique. I think there's some strategy behind it, and uh, obviously recruiting's critical. Um, mm-hmm. And this is an awesome place to live. You know, that's the thing, and I, it's just time. To see wrestling evolve, um, you know, I, one thing here is kids can come here and create history as opposed to going somewhere and just following the footsteps of somebody that's already done it. And that's what we're looking for is guys that want to be a part of that. And there's great coaches out there across the country and, and obviously great degrees and whatnot. So we just got to keep finding the kids that want to be down here in an awesome place to live and, and now becoming a really cool atmosphere. Yeah, and, and one of the things you mentioned in there was all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the number of people that don't get credit publicly or don't get seen publicly because they don't take the mat and they don't sit in the corner, right? Um, one of those people for you guys for a while there was Melissa Simmons, who was your director of operations, you know, and she's since moved on um, to Oklahoma Women's Gymnastics. But, you know, I know that Melissa did a lot of a lot of things that made your guys' lives a lot easier, and she took care of a lot of things. Talk about what she meant to your guys' program for all that time, because I know that she paved the way for a lot of other people to be directors of operations. You know, a lot of programs, when they justify to their athletic director, hey, we need the funding for this position, this is what can happen, and they point to Melissa and say, this is what a good one can do. Yeah, absolutely. She was as good as anybody that you could ever find for that role. Um, guys called her team mom, which – <laughs> um, 
it was just a perfect fit. I mean, her personality to manage with, you know, in our sport, it's obviously all males, but she was, she took no crap from anybody. So instantly she gained the respect of everybody on our team. Um, and then once guys got to know her, you know, they were more comfortable probably talking to her about things um, than they were probably some of the coaches. Uh, she just had that personality and she was on top of that, you know, she was a good people person, organized. It was everything that we needed to help us stay where we had to go. Uh, I think we all learned a ton from her. And without a doubt, NC State Wrestling would not be where it's at today with, with her coming through our program and, and helping us elevate, you know, just everything that we had to do. Um, and it was a different outlook. She knew wrestling because obviously she wrestled, but it was just a totally different outlook having somebody like that in that role that really wasn't here to, to get on the mat and wrestle and allowed us to put more energy and focused in on the development of the guys where she could take care of a lot of the late work, you know, day-to-day task. And she was phenomenal at it. And it's one of those, you, you never can replace somebody like that. You just got to evolve and, and adjust and adapt. But yeah, we, we, we learned a ton from, from her time and she's uh, definitely left her mark here at NC state. People miss her dearly. You know, so I think all these things you you know you describe really embody what a lot of us view as pack mentality, right? You know, pack mentality is the hashtag you guys created way back when 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 this whole thing started. To you, when you put pack mentality on something, you know, obviously you guys have done an incredible job of branding, and I know that's I'm sure that's been super important. You can see the posters in the background of your shot. You know, you guys do such a good job of that. What does pack mentality mean to you? It means a lifestyle. Um, it means finding a kid who will do the things you ask him to do in the recruiting process. It's easy to sit there and tell a coach, yeah, I want to do this. I'll be that. You know, they, they give you a good pitch. But how many of them are actually willing when they step foot on campus to do it? Right. And I promise you those are the ones who are going to leave here wherever they decide to go. They're going to leave with a national championship, and if they fall short, they're going to get an All-American status. Um, it's very difficult to find a disciplined kid that will do all the things you ask them to do in the time we're in right now, especially being in college, being away from home. And, yeah, we, we expect and demand excellence from our guys on and off the mat. Um, so that is just a complete package. Um, and we have – you know, we've had them – Year after year, we keep getting guys that you're just like, wow, there's, it's going to be hard to replace this guy's leadership. And next thing you know, you find a kid that's got very similar skill sets that can come in here and they're just a great kid and they do all the right things and their GPA is on course. And people, you know, when you look, people are coming to our matches now because the people that, the athletes that we have within our program, there's people coming here and they want to support them because they're like, I had an interaction with mm-hmm. this kid or that kid and I fell in love with your team and I want to come out and I want to actually support them. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and then another, you know, to pivot a little bit, but another one of the the packs, the groups that, that you're part of, I mentioned it earlier, you know, you're an Oklahoma State alum, right? You wrestled in Stillwater and everything. And one of the things that I think is so cool, you know, there's I think nine or ten of you guys now that are head coaches with Chris Pendleton getting hired. I think it's Coach Smith plus nine. Um, You guys pretty regularly meet up when you're all in a place like the Scuffle or NCAAs and stuff like that. You guys seem 
first of all, there's a ton of you. When you think about there's 77 Division One programs, 76, whatever it is, and there's, you know, 10 of the programs are headed by Oklahoma State alum. But, you know, what did you learn in your time in Stillwater? You know, how tightly knit is that group? And, you know, do you guys still talk and learn from one another as things go? You know, you're running all types of different programs, everything from – Kevin Ward at Army West Point to you to Coach Smith to Pendleton getting hired out there at Oregon State. So you you cover the whole country. You know, um, just talk about what being part of that fraternity is like. Yeah, it's been fun to watch um, over as time has gone on. You know, these guys are all getting their opportunity now. And it is it's pretty crazy to think that there's that many guys that have come through that program. And at the time, I didn't really realize what it would mean to be at a school like Oklahoma State you know, stay in this industry and then have that bond with those guys. Um, I just think it's one of those, you know, and you've re- you were, had the chance to wrestle at one of the schools that has great history and tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just does something to you that you're just, you, you take some pride into. Um, and then it is, it's a, it's a great common bond that you have with those guys that all went through that. Um, you can relate with them on uh, different situations and, it's always nice to have people that if you do need advice and something, we've all come across different situations. Maybe it's the first time me going through something and you need some advice on how to deal with it. I always keep the door open and I tell those guys anytime they need advice on anything, you know, you can call, text, email. Uh, I think that's the one thing that we do a really good job of is communicating when, when needed. Um, everybody's just a phone call away, but that there is a really good support system. And now, you know, first we go to the national tournament and we started this tradition of having dinner um, and it probably was five or six guys. Then it was seven. Then it was eight. Then it was nine. I think the table's getting pretty big. We might have to, <laughs> we were supposed to all meet up, but, you know, obviously with the NCAAs not happening this year, we all had reservations to go to dinner that Tuesday night. So I got a charge. I'm going to move this because I got to charge this, but we're good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, so one of those guys, obviously, is Coleman Scott. He's right down the road at North Carolina. You know, he's done a great job of um, building UNC up, similar to what you guys did, obviously, in his own way, but to building it up at UNC. And I think that's kind of mirrored the ACC, right? You guys have become, if you want to talk about the quote-unquote average team, I mean, you got four, you're a six-team conference, and four of you guys were in the top ten this year. What's it been like? The ACC has just exploded the last five – I mean, really the last five years, right, with you guys taking off UNC. Um, I think Virginia Tech, if you talk about being up in the top ten or so, has probably been there the longest, you know, from the dresser days. But talk about the rise of the ACC. Yeah, that goes back to uh, the coaches that are in this conference. And they've done a phenomenal job with the recruiting, um, just – the branding of their programs and what it's done is it's elevated the game for everybody. Uh, the, the old saying, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. I think that's obviously something that's happened here in this conference because of the notoriety that these coaches have brought and which is bringing in some higher level recruits. So everybody's feeling reaping the benefits of that and it is becoming really competitive and what, what it's doing, you know, when we, Wrestling these dual meets and the matches are a lot closer now and the competition is that much tighter. It's going to prepare us even more as we get to the national tournament. Um, and that's what I do like about it is, you know, this year we are our, our UNC duel. We almost had 5,000 people to it. Um, and that's because that's credit to 
their success and how good they've become as a program. You know, we wrestle Virginia Tech, same thing. We've, we've got a really good group of people coming because they want to see high-level wrestling here and high-level sports. Um, so it's it's shown because of the work that they're putting in, um, and it's been real healthy competition too. You know, sometimes you get in these rivalries and they, they can become a little nasty, but these guys have done a really good job keeping things you know, professional, positive, and it's funny. I got a text from Coleman today because we're both born on the on April nineteenth. So, you know. Oh yeah. Wish me happy birthday. So that's just that's just the. I think that's where we're at as coaches. We, we all want to. Obviously, we all want to win. Uh, we get that, and there is probably a time where it gets really crazy competitive, and there's no friendships at that point. But. When it's <laughs> on, uh, you're around really good people too. Um, even though you're competing against them, it's good quality people that you're comp- competing against. So it's it's been healthy, um, and it's I think it's been good for wrestling. Awesome. Well, hey man, I don't. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I got. You know, I think I've chewed up enough of your my battery on me. I know, I know, man. I'm I'm chewing up time on your birthday. I'm killing your battery. So I'm getting ready so. to jump in the sauna, so we'll be good. Part, oh man, you got a, you got an at home sauna, huh? Yeah. What do you, what do you got? You got an infrared one or you got a legit one? Got to have the water on the rocks. I'll have it up to about 220. <sighs> Sweating it out, man. I respect it. An hour ago, so it should be nice and warm. Nice. Well, hey man, you got anything else for us? No, I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, you know, it's people like you that are obviously helping promote our sport. It's a time we need it more than ever. Uh, we got to lock our our heels in the ground here as far as programs go promote uh keep keep wrestling relevant by uh the dual meets and just good good storylines so you've been doing a good job helping us all with that appreciate it i got i got one more thing though what are the odds after quarantine that we shape up the beard and it becomes a thing uh i don't know i originally was saying i'll i'll keep it until we started training and now it's getting way too long um <laughs> Too white. Uh, there's way more white in here than I want, so <laughs> I might have to trim up or shave it. As Nick says, he's he always teases me, and he's look you look way older with the beard now. And I tell him, well, it's wisdom, man. Get, get used to it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate it so much. Happy birthday again. Um, obviously, you're welcome on anytime, but you know, good luck, stay safe, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right, appreciate it. All right, All right. take it easy, Skip.